Coming up this time, a dressing room dressing down. I used to get rolled at half-time and I used to think I was playing well. And the half-time team talk was me getting slaughtered by your useless, why did we sign you, blah, blah, blah. Some of the things that were passed on weren't very nice. You, you didn't feel you could speak back or talk back to, oh, no, to them? I, 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 no, I had my say. Yeah. You know, you may as well stick up for yourself. The disappointment of being left out of a major cup final. I was told by the manager that if I proved myself fit, I would play. When we went out for the match and prior to the match, we walked around the stadium as we're walking around the stadium, he says, let's stop and have a little chat. By the way, you're not playing. And that was it. Yeah, I, I made it perfectly plain. And obviously the following season, he got rid of me straight yeah. away. There's also a flashback to a magazine feature from 1980. Most difficult opponent? Who, who? Billy Bremner. Who else leads at a time? No, go on in. Yeah, well, actually, Viv Anderson in five-a-side games oh, at Forest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you yeah. remember that? Superb, yeah. Yeah. Viv, yeah. Hi, it's Viv Anderson. You're listening to the Green Jumper podcast. Plus, you'll hear many more special memories of what it was like working with the Miracle Manager. Everything he was telling you was truthful. The things he said to you to make you possibly a better player or whatever, they always came to fruition. I did my homework last night and I put a, a Nottingham Forest tape on and I watched Archie Gamble and I didn't know he was that good. And I watched his tape of various matches and he kept winning, balls, uh, winning the ball, he kept running 45 yards, he kept scoring the odd goal. I never remember him scoring actually. And he kept doing everything. I thought, blow me, you were worth another five quid a week. Hi, it's Tony Woodcock here. You're listening to the Green Jumper Pod with Marcus Alton. For this episode, I've come to a, a sports club in the East Midlands to meet my guest, a former Scottish international who Brian Clough included in one of his all-time first 11 dream teams. It's hello to Archie Gemmell. Hello there. Brian famously signed you for Derby um, after staying the night at your house because uh, I think you said you'd sleep on it at the time. Yeah. What, what was it like waking up to find Brian Clough still in the house and, and eating breakfast? Obviously it was strange, uh, but uh, over the years there was a lot of strange things happened. Uh, but I was glad at the end of the day that I did it because I went to join a good team we won some trophies, so it was all in all, not bad. A good decision. Yeah. Well, you were on the verge of signing for Everton, I think, at, at the time. What was it that sort of persuaded you to, to, to go with uh, Brian Clough? Well, I was led to believe from, obviously, Mr Clough at the time. He said if I went to Everton, I would be just one of whatever. He says, but if you sign for me, you play Saturday. And that was all you needed to hear? That was it, yeah. He once described your signing as one of the best transfers he'd ever made. He's a good judge. <laughs> He's a good judge. 
<laughs> How did he get the best out of you personally? Uh, what I think everybody liked about him was that everything he was telling you was truthful. You know, if you didn't play well, you were told. If you did play well, you were told. So the things he said to you to make you possibly a better player or whatever, they always came to fruition. Because uh, number of times uh, when I was at Derby, when I started, uh, I used to get rolled at half-time. And I used to think I was playing well. But he was. He always said to me, if, I didn't, if he didn't stay on top of me... I wouldn't become what I thought I was then at the time. Yes, he wanted to keep you on your toes, yes. basically, yes. I, I was speaking to um, Alan Hinton on a previous podcast and he was singing your praises from those Derby mm. days. He said, you know, you would cover every blade of grass, so skillful. One time, I think your boot came off in the mud, you stopped, put it back on and carried on running. Yeah. Um, but he said... One thing that was interesting, you probably paid, played better when you were maybe riled by something. And he said Clough and Taylor would probably think to themselves, how can we make Archie really mm. angry today? Did you see that side of it? Well, not particularly at the time, but on occasions I was... I thought I'd played well at half-time, up at half-time, and the half-time team talk was me getting slaughtered by your useless, why did we sign you, blah, blah, blah. And uh, it yeah. gave me a little bit more, which I didn't think it needed, yeah. uh, because some of the things that were passed on weren't very nice. No, but, no, uh, no. You, you, you didn't feel you could sort of speak back or talk back to, oh, no, to I, them? I, 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 no, I had my say. Yeah. You know, you may as well stick up for yourself. Yeah. You know, so that they would say I was absolutely useless and I would say so, something like, well, what game are you watching, you know? And uh, we, had, we had a lot of good times, but yet to take the... Yeah. ..the now and again. Yeah. In a way, I think, from what I've heard, sometimes he liked people having a go back and sticking up for themselves. Oh, definitely, yeah. You know, because, well, that, that's... You've got to do if you feel that you have done well then you've, you've got to stand up for yourself. Yeah. You then joined him at Forest, of course, and that wonderful breakaway goal against Arsenal was goal of the season, which you started and, and finished. And I remember watching that at the time and thinking, wow, that was tremendous. Obviously, you scored a fantastic goal in the World Cup, 1978. Mm -hmm. That solo sort of dribbling um, goal. That was, <laughs> yeah. that was wonderful. Um, that gets repeated a lot. What was your favourite goal overall? To be fair, I, I never scored uh, a lot of goals in my career. I think if I look back on my career, that would have been one of the things that sticks out, that per game, my goal ratio was pretty poor. In fact, it was crap. Yes, it would be nice if I'd scored something like 130, 140 goals, something like that in my career. I think I only got about 50 or something like that. Uh, so, from that point of view, not scoring goals would be the thing that would yeah. dampen yeah. me a little bit. You're being hard on yourself again, though, aren't you? I mean, the goals that you scored were 
I mean, some of them were just amazing. They, they, they still live in the memory today. Yeah, they, they, they just happen now and again. I think mm. it, if you're a, a scoring midfield player, you know, you should be able mm. to get into mm. 50, 60 over your career. But as a midfield player, you had a, a special role as well, and I'm thinking maybe in that second leg against Liverpool in the European Cup. Uh, for, right. First round, yeah. and you had specific instructions there, didn't you? Yeah. I had to play well. I played wide right, and uh, I was told to obviously help the full back at the time, uh, and that was my job for the ninety minutes. Simple as that. Yes, you sort of tucked in in front of Viv, and that really was a, a, a key. A key tactic, really, that kept it goalless, and that and that's what Forrest needed at the time. At the time, yeah. Uh, but as I say, I was told where to play and what I had to do. It was as simple as that. So, yeah, I think in most people's careers, you'll find that you've got to do a thing that don't particularly suit you, but you do it for the club. For the team, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, I'm sorry to bring this up, but obviously the European Cup final, you weren't selected. How down were you about it, and are you still? Oh, no, you've got to go on with things, but the only thing that bothered me was that I was told by the manager that if I proved myself fit, I would play. Well, I played 45 minutes for the reserves. No problem. Uh, So that was the only thing that upset me, was that I'd been told because everything I'd done prior, everything he said to me always came to fruition. And this time I was told, prove your fit, you play. And when we went out for the match, and prior to the match, we walked around the stadium. As we were walking around the stadium, he said, well, let's stop and have a little chat. By the way, you're not playing. And that was it. Mm. And there were some strong words said, I guess, oh, at the definitely. time. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But he always ended up having the final say because I think you'll know when I get back to the hotel, I had to go up and clean his room. He just got to bite the bullet. <laughs> but um, I, yeah, I, I made it perf- perfectly plain. Mm. And obviously the following season, he got rid of me straight yeah. away. Yeah. And I understand, you know, in retirement, you used to go and, and see him and, and talk in the garden, and it would still be something that you would talk about, and again, he would have the final word. Oh, God, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, he always had a, a final word in it. Uh, but he was, well, obviously a terrific manager, and he was basically a very nice person, but he was ever so strong-willed and strong-minded to do what he thought was the correct thing. And I think you've got to credit that for him because he was a fantastic manager and he could get the best out of every player. He could see things in players, or Pete, Peter could see things in players, and he brought it out. You mentioned you, you were sold to, to Birmingham and I've got um, a, a, a copy of Shoot magazine from 1980 here. And um, there's a letter which says it is quite critical of Clough and Taylor at the time for some of their transfer dealings. And uh, one's about Ian Bowyer going. You're also mentioned. 
and it says, his, his departure from Forest reminds me of when Clough and Taylor sold Archie Gemmell, which was another bad mistake. Uh, and I think Forest fans will miss uh, the creative and experienced play. Yeah. And if you, if you look at the bottom of that, it says Marcus Alton, Loudham. And that's me. All right. <laughs> that, that's a long time ago. That's a long, long time yeah. ago. And I was very proud to have that letter that um, time, yeah. published. But I wanted you to see that mm. because you were missed. Yeah. Yeah, no, as I say, it was just one of these things. Uh, went to Birmingham with Jim Smith, character yes. in, in himself. Yes. Uh, I can't say I particularly enjoyed it. It was a reasonable long way to travel where I'd been at Nottingham and in Derby, which is just next door. Yes. Uh, but no, I went there and it never really walked out. I, I was quite happy to get away. Also, talking of shoots, I've got um, a, a profile picture, mm. uh, an article of you. It says, focus on Archie Gemmell, and it's sort of question and answers of various things. Um, favourite player, favourite singer, that sort of thing. Yeah. Can you remember what you might have said... Mm. Favourite player at the time? At the time? It would have been a... Oh, Jim Baxter. Jim Baxter. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, Jim. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I played against him. Did you? When I was at St Mum, yeah. Ah, that was it then. Yeah, Jim, yeah. A most difficult opponent? Who, who... Billy Bremner. Oh. Yeah, or and who else leads at the time? No, go on in. Yeah, yeah. well, actually... Viv Anderson in five-a-side games at oh, Forest. Viv, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you yeah, remember that? Superb, yeah. Yeah. Viv, yeah. Yeah. Now, this is an interesting one. Biggest thrill, it said, being asked to play in Pelé's testimonial yeah. for the New York Cosmos. Yeah. And then, can you guess what biggest disappointment was? Biggest disappointment? Not, what, what would that be? It's connected with that Pelé testimonial. Oh, yeah, Cluffy wouldn't let us go, wouldn't he? Yeah, it yeah. says yeah, That's being right. it says being refused permission right, to play yeah. in the above game. That's right, yeah. Yeah. He said we couldn't go. Another thing you had to do. Yeah. Yeah. And just just another one, your favourite TV shows. Now that the, one of them you've named is legendary comedy programme. You probably still watch it on uh, on those old channels. Oh winning old no. No. No, that, no. that, that, that long ago. <laughs> Faulty Towers. Faulty God, yeah. <laughs> Actually, they've made a, a... Well, they found another one, haven't they? Yes. Didn't they, yeah. And you, your other ones are sports programmes and documentaries. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I, so, I, do like, I do like documentaries because just how other people live. Just seeing yeah. you. No, yeah. I, I enjoy them. And um, when you teamed up with Brian again at Forest as a coach... Mm. I think he considered you quite a confidant, really, because I remember him saying in an interview, you know, when things were going badly, he'd turn to you and say, what, what we're going to do? And you'd say, we're going to close ranks. Mm. And, and did you feel Brian took you into his confidence like that? No, I, I think he uh, uh, appreciated the prior years, you know, the playing mm. for him and whatever. And because uh, he was going to take me back to Forest, which he did, then he says yeah, I was going to be coach of the 16s, and that was obviously the start of that. And I built up a little bit because the youth teams did well. There were young players came through for the youth team, and I think it, I'm not saying impressed Cluffy at the time, but I think he appreciated it. And uh, 
I started then. I helped Liam out, and uh, we, we we did we did pretty well. It was just unfortunate that the Brian he was a little bit worse for wear yes. towards the end, which I think was hard for everybody to take. Yes, if he had sort of finished as he started, it would have been it would have been great. Yeah, yeah. But he, obviously he struggled. And you went on the pitch in the FA Cup final uh, just before extra time um, when people were expecting him to go on yeah, the pitch. Yeah. Well, did that surprise you? Well, once again, I was told to go on. So <laughs> you did what you said? Yeah, yeah. yeah, but really, anything that was said was straightforward that he would have said anyway, you know, because I'd played under him and I'd been a coach under him for a long time and yeah, yeah. I knew hope was coming. In this um, profile, it says, let me see, biggest influence on career. And even though you'd gone to Birmingham, you, your answer is Brian Clough. How will you remember him? Well, I remember him as a terrific person, first and foremost. Uh, people see him as a big head or a loud mouth or whatever you want to call it that. He had great belief in his own ability and he proved it to everybody and he could bring a very average player to become a special player. He had a fantastic way of making people better and it helped no end of people as well. Uh, out of football, he would go and visit old days pensioners at the time and whatever and do things for people that went by and by you know if you ask many people about them what do you think they'll say yeah great manager but they don't tell the other half of them because they did enough enough a lot for charity and you saw the softer side of him really and and you think you you became a friend oh i don't think anybody's ever a friend <laughs> I was a person. He liked your company, though. Yeah, yeah. He liked your company. Yeah. yeah. Archie Gemmell, thanks ever so much for talking to us and uh, for the podcast, and yeah. uh, it, it's been an absolute pleasure. OK, thank you very much. Thank you. Cheers. Some wonderful memories there from Archie Gemmell, and you can read more about our chat in my new book, Brian Clough, The Lost Tapes. It's my fifth Cluffy book, again helping to raise money for good causes. And in my humble opinion, I think it's the best yet. It all stems from when I was having a sort out at home during the pandemic and uncovered an absolute treasure trove of Cluffy recordings. And they'd really just been gathering dust. I've spent hours and hours listening through to them on old cassette tapes and, and mini discs and curating their wonderful content. Many of the stories and Cluffy quotes are in print for the first time. There's more information on brianclough.com where you'll also be able to buy signed copies. Just let me know who you'd like it signed to and I'll sort that out. In the meantime, I'll be back with another podcast interview very soon when we'll look back at more great stories of the Miracle Manager in the Green Jumper.